0: The
1: Bible, is shall in the
0: this is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. I want you to imagine something.
1: You go to town one day and... You see a little crowd down the street. You wonder what's going on down there. You, you're afraid something bad may have happened. You get there, and there's a man standing there, has a pad in his hand, and he's talking to people, and he stops you, and he says, "Could, could you, you have time for me to just ask you a question. And, and he says, could, could you tell me why you believe what you believe about God in the Bible? You say, well, you know, I've never thought about it. I've never been asked that question before. I've really never thought about it. But you know, I suppose I should be able to. You know all of us should be able to give an answer. In 1 Peter three fifteen, Peter said we ought to be able to give an answer to every man. And we're following that theme on getting to know your Bible, being able to give an answer to every man. We hope you'll stay tuned today as we continue along that line, giving an answer for what we believe. I'm Billy Lambert and I'm a speaker on Getting to Know Your Bible and I want to welcome you today, especially if this is the first time you've ever seen the program. And if you, it is, I want you to tell someone else about it. Tell them to tune in at the same time next time we're on. Now today, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course, I emphasize free. You say now, preacher, you know it's not free. It'll have to cost somebody something. Well, it's not going to cost you anything except enough of your time to let us know to send it to you, that you might know more about the course and how to receive it. We're going to pause for just a moment.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, PO Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.
1: Many years ago in Miami, Florida, that there was a need for a very rare kind of blood. None of the hospitals had it and someone was in desperate need. Their life was hanging in the balance. Walter Winchell was a radio host about to go on the air just a few blocks away from the hospital. And they called him, and he made an appeal on his radio program for this special blood that was needed. It wasn't long until they were getting calls from so many different places, people offering that special blood. There's a special blood we want to talk about today. That special blood is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus that has cleansing effect. In Revelation 1:5, the Bible says, "...Unto Him who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood." You see, this is a cardinal doctrine of the Bible. And it is because of this blood that you and I have hope beyond this world. Our hope is not in the teachings of Mohammed. Our hope is not in the beliefs of Confucius. Our hope is not in what Buddha thought Our hope is in Jesus Christ and His blood. One of the songs that I have loved all of my life is There's Power in the Blood. Power in the blood of Jesus. But another one that I know that would likely be very familiar to most of you that are watching right now Is nothing but the blood of Jesus. The question first is asked what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. I want us to think about that expression, nothing but the blood. I want to make some observations that are tied in with that expression. Nothing but the blood could abrogate or take away the old law of the Old Testament. That was a purpose of the law that was given by Moses in the Old Testament. It was given because of transgression till the seed would come. But if you have your Bible open and you look in verse 16, Paul said that that seed was Christ. The seed promise was, began in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3 and verse 15. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. That is the seed of woman without the seed of man being involved. That's an early promise about the Son of God coming into this world, and the law was given, wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgression till the seed should come, till Christ should come. And when Christ came, then the law served its purpose and was no more. In Galatians 3.24, the Bible says the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. But after the, the, the schoolmaster has come, after the after Christ is come, we're no longer under that schoolmaster. We're no longer under that law. And the law ceased at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 2:14 says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances which was against us which was contrary to us taking it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. When Jesus died on the cross at Calvary, shedding his blood, he did that in order to blot out that handwriting of ordinances that was against us, to blot out or to take away the law of Moses. Someone says, well, Brother Lambert, you don't believe in the Old Testament. I believe every word of the Old Testament. And there's so much profit and benefit in studying the Bible, we need to study the Old Testament. It's difficult to understand the New Testament unless you study the Old Testament. Someone said the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. The Old Testament says Jesus is coming. The New Testament says He's come, and also that He's coming again. So that's what it's all about. And we studied about Bible. Well, Romans 15 and 4 says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our what? Our learning. That we through comfort and the patience of the scriptures might have hope. And the scriptures he's talking about there are Old Testament scriptures. Paul was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And in verse 14 he said, Continue thou in the things which I hast learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned then that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. You see, we have to study the Old Testament to learn the prophecies that were made about Jesus and made about the coming of his church or the kingdom of God, and and we come to the New Testament and we see the fulfillment of those prophecies and predictions. And when Jesus died, He did away with that Old Testament law. Jesus lived and died under the Old Testament. The two thieves on the cross, both of them, lived and died while the Old Testament law was in effect. And when Jesus died on that cross, He gave us a new law, the New Testament. For this cause, He is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant, that they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also be the death of a testator. Listen to this now. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is no strength while the testator lives. Jesus died and gave us his last will and testament. All the conditions of salvation are in his last will and testament. For us today, living in the Christian age, living in, the, in this age that we are in today, we need to go to the New Testament to learn what we need to do to be pleasing to God. We go to the Old Testament for our learning. We go to the Old Testament to learn about the fact that Jesus Christ was coming into the world. And then when we go to the New Testament, which he gave when he died upon the cross and sealed it with his blood, then we then have a plan laid out in the gospel of Christ for what we must do to be saved from our sins and in living the Christian life. In Matthew 26 and verse 28, Jesus said, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. Nothing but the blood could do that. Nothing but the blood could take away the old and then give us the new or seal the New Testament. That's the reason that that I suggest to you that we study the Old Testament for our learning, for our admonition, and we learn so much from it, and there's so many wonderful lessons in the Old Testament, be it far from me to suggest that we don't need to study the Old Testament. In fact, we do. But we, when we study the Old Testament, we understand that it, it served a purpose, and that purpose was to bring us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we have no need for that law, and we have the gospel of Christ today in the New Testament. But then nothing but the blood could purchase the church. It was purchased with blood. The church is the bride of Christ. It's the body of Christ. And Jesus paid a price for the church, for his bride, for for the body. Listen to Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. And your husbands love your wives, Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. He loved the church, and he died for the church. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Paul Paul is addressing the elders from the church in Ephesus. And he says, Take heed unto yourselves and all the flock, over which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers, to feed the church of the Lord, or the church of God, which he hath purchased. Well, how did he purchase it? With his own blood. The church is blood-bought. Listen to Revelation chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. What are these, and whence came they? And I said, Sir, thou knowest. These are they that came out of great tribulation, and washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. When you hear the word church, what do you think of? Well, I think of that building down on the corner. No, no. The church is not a building. The church is what meets in the building. The church is people. What kind of people? Blood-bought people. The church is composed of people who have been washed and cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ loved the church. And it's not any wonder to me that he loved it so, not when I learned in Ephesians 3, 10 and 11 that it was in the eternal purpose of God. When I learned from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, that Christ is the head of the church which is his body. And Jesus made this declaration in Matthew the 16th chapter and verse 18. Peter had just confessed him to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Jonah, that is, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus said, I will build. That was future. In the future, I'm going to build it. I will do it. I will build my church. And that is a pronoun that is showing possession. I will build my church, not churches. Church singular, not churches plural. Christ said, I will build my church. There's not any wonder to me that he loved it so much. It's no wonder to me he loved it when I learned from 1 Corinthians 3 and 11 that no other foundation can, can be laid other than which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. He's the foundation of it. There's no wonder that he loved it so when we learn from Ephesians 5 and verse 20, that he is the Savior of the body, the church. No one should suggest that the church is our Savior. Someone says that you have to be a member of the church to go to heaven. That's the wrong question. The The right question is, what must I do to be saved? And when I am saved, I'm added to the church by the Lord. Acts 2, verse 47. And so the right The thing that we need to understand is nothing but the blood could make the church a reality. And the church is composed of people who've been added to his church, the Lord's church. We don't vote people into the church. We don't say, now, everyone that would like to have Billy in the church raise their hands. We don't ask that. No, 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 because that's God's business. Our business is obeying God and God's business is adding us to His body, to His church. And folks, nothing but the blood could make that possible. But nothing but the blood can reconcile an individual to God. Man's separated from God because of sin, that's what is a great separator. But nothing but the blood can bring about reconciliation. Ephesians 2.16 makes that very clear. That is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that men are reconciled to God through His body. And then reconciliation is not through some of the things that one might think brings about reconciliation. Let, let's think about that word, reconciliation. Sometimes we preachers use terms that we assume that all people understand. And reconciliation might just be one of those that some of you that are watching right now may not fully understand. So let, let's put it in language like this, and I think it will help us to see what it really means. Here's a husband and wife that are having difficulties. So she makes him move out. So now they're separated. And after they've been separated for a time, they decide to go see one, someone, for some counseling. Maybe they go to their preacher. And after he talks with them, they hug and they kiss, they make up. They go home together. They're no longer separated. They have had a reconciliation. Man is separated from God, not because God wants it, but because of man's rebellion, because of man's sin. But God wants to be at one with man. And that's the reason He gave Jesus as an atonement, that we might be at one with Him again, reconciled with Him, not separated. In Colossians 1 and 20, we learn that we have peace with God through the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. The only way you'll ever have peace with God and reconcile to God is through the blood of Jesus. I may be talking to some father right now who has been down in the dumps a little bit. Or maybe some mother or maybe some grandmother or grandfather or And maybe it's a teenager out there. Someone in college. And and things just not been going right for you. And you're so depressed about it all. And you feel so far away from God. You don't feel close anymore. The only thing that will ever bring about a reconciliation with God is Jesus' blood. Romans 5 and 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Jesus Christ is our peace, Ephesians 2, 7, 14. For He is our peace, who hath made both one, regardless of our language, regardless of the color of our skin, can be one in Jesus Christ, and reconcile to God. You see, it takes the blood to reconcile a person to God. Someone says, well, you know, Brother Lambert, I, I, I want you to know that, that I'm pretty wealthy. Well, I congratulate you that you're very wealthy. And I just really believe, Brother Lambert, that, that if I were to leave the church a lot of money, that when I meet God one day, I think everything's going to be okay. Let me read a verse to you, maybe two verses. From the pen of the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. For for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, that's money, isn't it? Well, pray tell then, if I can't be reconciled to God and be right with God because I've got lots of money, what's it going to take? Verse 19 tells us, by the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish, without spot. Friend, it took the perfect Son of God to die for your sins and to die for my sins. Nothing but the blood can do that. Somebody said, well, you know, my mother's a Christian, my daddy's a Christian. doesn't go to church all the time, but he claims to be a Christian. My grandfather was a preacher. Did you know, Brother Lambert, that my grandfather preached all his life? Well, isn't that a wonderful thing? But how does that affect you? You see, we're not going to be reconciled to God because of our family connections or because others in our family were right with God or made peace with God. In John 8, 32, Jesus said to the Jews, You shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. And they said, We're Abraham's seed. And we've never been in bondage to any man, and you're telling us we'll be made free? What was their problem? They thought that because of their connection to Abraham, they had it made with God. And just because your mother, your father, your grandparents were Christian does not mean that you're going to be saved. It's going to take the blood of Jesus Christ to bring you into a saving relationship with God. That's the only way. There's a song, often sung, and it has this refrain, the way of the cross leads home. And ultimately, if you want to go to heaven one day, are you listening to me? You must come to the foot of the cross. God loved you so much that He gave the royal gem of heaven to come down and live a life of poverty and rejection among men. And He eventually died on the cross. Shed His blood upon that cross. That you might be reconciled back to God one day. A picture was painted of a military scene. And in the, in the picture there was the man who was in charge of their communications from the battlefield to the front line. And it showed how he was trying to make communication with the front line which was so vital, but it showed in the picture that the, that the wire connecting the communication had been broken. So it pictured the soldier with one wire in one hand and the other end of the other wire in this hand, and he used his body as a, conduct, a conductor to make the connection to, through the wire. And there was just one word captioned on that picture. Through. He got through to the front line by using himself as the conductor for the communication. And we will never get through to God without the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing but the blood can bring about reconciliation. And nothing but the blood can cleanse from sin. Have you ever been out working in the yard all day long, mowing the grass, trimming in, uh, bushes, and doing weed eating and the like, and you come in and you're so tired, you're hot, and you're dirty. And the first thing you want to do is to go and get cleaned up. Or maybe you're a mechanic and you like to work on cars and, and you get grease all over your hands and under your fingernails and you won't go get cleaned up. The only way you'll ever get cleaned up is to apply the cleansing agent that's called soap and water. And sin pollutes our souls, and the only way we'll be cleansed is by applying the cleansing agent, that's the blood. If you're not a Christian, you need to apply the blood. What can wash away my sin? That answer is, that question is answered in Revelation 1, 5, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. But when does it do that? The answer to that is found in your Bible in Acts 22, verse 16. Why tarriest thou? Rise and, and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord. Sin washes away our sins and it's, our sins are washed away when we're baptized into Christ Galatians 3 27 but what about living the Christian life that's tough sometimes isn't it Christians are not perfect people we sin as Christians but we have access to that blood and if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us constantly cleanses us from our sins You're not saved this morning and lost tonight if you're walking in the light. No, no. The blood keeps you clean every day of your life. But it's conditioned. The condition is if we walk in the light. Walk in the light. It takes blood. The blood of Jesus. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord
0: bless you and may the Lord keep you